think it was on a, on, a, on a news program, the first time I heard the phrase, I heard somebody say, I need, to, I need to speak my truth. And I've heard that from time to time before. Speak your truth. This person should speak his truth or her truth. And I've got to tell you, when I first heard that, I, I had a, a viscerally negative reaction to it. Because, because truth is not something that's proprietary. Um, we don't all have our own truth. For truth to be truth, it has to conform to a reality. Well, that's become very popular. You know, today we hear political sycophants speaking of things like alternative facts. But there's no such thing as alternative facts. There's facts, there's fallacies, but there aren't alternative facts. For the same reason that there's really no such thing as my truth and your truth. But, you know, as I've listened to people use that, I think the best intentions of that phrase when someone speaks of my truth or maybe your truth uh, means to tell an aspect of the truth that other people are not aware of or perhaps don't see. It means that there are some perhaps unaccounted for, unappreciated facts and providing a missing perspective on truth. Well, even when it's used that way, I still don't really like the phrase. But facts are related to truth. And yet knowing facts is not the same as knowing truth. And it's important to know if and how your truth relates to the truth. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been in the Gospel of John, but uh, Jesus, we've seen him crucified, we've seen him die, we've seen him be buried. And our text for today is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. This is God's word. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. He still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Father, uh, open our eyes today that we may see wonderful things in your word. Jesus had been crucified and he died on a Roman cross. That was a fact. Joseph and Nicodemus had come 
to Governor Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and Jesus had granted it to them to take away. That was a fact. And they prepared the body for interment, put him in Joseph's new tomb, and sealed it. That was a fact. Mary Magdalene, and as she indicates here uh, by saying, we don't know where they put him. Some of the other women came on the first day of the week and found that the stone had been removed, taken up out of its place. The tomb was open. Those were the facts. But what was the truth? The fact and truth are related, but they're not the same thing. Um, Cornelius Van Til, if you know those names, used gallons of ink to rail against the notion of, of brute facts. Facts cry out to be arranged, to have some purpose, to fit, uh, if you will, into a narrative that has meaning in a word. Facts cry out for truth. And we can have perspectives on the truth, your truth, if you will. But it's important that your truth comes into alignment with the truth. And it's particularly important when it has to do with the gospel. Now, in this passage, we see Mary's truth. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Jesus had been crucified on Friday. He was buried before the start of Shabbat and it is customary in Judaism now, it probably was then as well, not to visit a grave on Shabbat. If you listen to Luke's words in Luke's gospel, if you get behind them, so to speak, and Jesus' encounter with Mary Magdalene, you realize uh, how much evil Jesus had delivered her from. And, and Mary's gospel story was not the modern gospel story of a Jesus who's come to make your already wonderful middle-class life even better And so going to him when it's quite convenient for you. Hers was a gospel story of redemption from hell on earth. And of a Jesus that she could not live without. But Jesus had been crucified. And had died. That was a fact. And that was the truth. And as soon as Shabbat was over, Mary wanted to go to be with Jesus. Seeing is a chief means that God has given to us to verify facts. Seeing is believing, is the old saying. We're most sure of the things that we see with our own eyes. And even more so in this day of deep fakes when video and audio can be faked on YouTube and most of it is. Of course, we can't see everything with our own eyes, so we need reliable eyewitnesses. 
And I'm thankful the report for the reports that we have from missionaries around the world that God has placed providentially in some very difficult places and situations of people who are known to us who can give us eyewitness accounts of the things that are happening. The importance of eyewitnesses is underscored in that uh, when it came time to replace Judas among the twelve, the man chosen, we're told in Acts uh, chapter 1 and verse 22, must be someone who had been an eyewitness of Jesus from the beginning of his ministry. And now Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. And she's an eyewitness, which she saw was a fact. The stone that sealed the tomb had been lifted out of its trough. It was moved. She saw, we're told, that the stone had been moved from the entrance. That was a fact. That was true. But we, what she concluded from that fact was not true. And we're told that she... She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. That's John's way of referring to himself in this gospel. And said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. It was stunning news, almost unbelievable news. And something that cried out for verification. That was her truth. What was Peter and John's truth? You know, I suspect, if I put myself in their place, I suspect that when, that when Mary came and said they've taken the body away, that, that, that they didn't believe her. They just suffered the biggest blow of their lives, the death of the one that they had put their hopes in for salvation. And now his body was stolen too. It just seemed to be too incredible. Surely there had to be a more ordinary explanation for what she saw or thought she saw than grave robbery. And early in the uh, first day of the week, we're told while it was still dark, she'd gone there in the, in the dim of the very early morning and perhaps she was confused. Perhaps she went to the wrong tomb. Perhaps there was another new tomb there that wasn't used and so had not been sealed. And then again, what was it that Mary actually saw? John says that she saw the stone rolled away. To conclude that the body was missing may be a bit hasty. So they ran to the tomb to see with their own two eyes. And John, being younger than Peter by probably about half, outran him. And he got there first. And with his own eyes, he saw the facts. In fact, he saw more than Mary did. And I can picture it, can you, from outside. It's still very early. If it had been very bright, he wouldn't have been able to see inside. But he peers, he squints through the darkness, and he sees linen lying there in the tomb. But he stays outside. And Peter uh, comes up right on his heels and he goes right in and ascertains more information, more facts with his own eyes. 
Mary didn't have it wrong. The body was gone. But the burial cloth and the face covering had been removed, which was, which was puzzling. Why would grave robbers take the time to do that? And then John reports something, writes something that should catch our attention. It's at the end of verse 8. It says that when he went in, he saw and he believed. And John's speaking of himself there. He says that he saw and he believed. The question that we have to ask is, what, what is it that he believed? Because we hear that language in the New Testament that someone believed and we think that that means that they believed in Jesus or they believed the gospel or they believed the resurrection. But then we read verse 9. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So what is it that John believed? Well, he believed the facts. He believed what was right before him. If we take the whole section together, he believed Mary's report, the body's gone. They must have taken him. That was a conclusion, but they had the facts. They still didn't understand the truth. Now, you know, throughout uh, John's gospel, as we've been looking at it, and even more so uh, through the other gospels, throughout his ministry with them, Jesus kept telling them that they were going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to be handed over the, to the Gentiles, that he was going to be crucified, that he would rise on the third day. He told them that on numerous occasions. But it's interesting that John doesn't say they still didn't understand what Jesus had told them. He says they still didn't understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And the scriptures here are not the New Testament scriptures. The New Testament's not written. It's uh, the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. Where in the Old Testament does it say that? That, that he must rise from the dead. You know, later, the risen Jesus would say to them, it was written that the Christ must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Later, the apostle Paul would say the same in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Again, not the New Testament scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, where can you lay your hands on the passage where it says that he'll rise on the third day? You know, there's some students of the Bible who, as they've wrestled with that, have said, I've read some commentaries who say, well, while the, while the Bible doesn't say anything like that, th there's a sense of it there. I have no idea what they're talking about. But there is one passage in the Old Testament that speaks of being raised on the third day. And it's in the prophet Hosea, chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. And it says this, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. 
He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will heal us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his presence. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, that passage does speak about being raised on the third day. And in fact, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it uses the word for resurrection there. But it speaks of us, not him. But that's exactly the point and the truth that we so easily miss. Do you understand what happened when Jesus died and when he rose? The Apostle Paul did, so he writes, I have been crucified with Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Lord has torn us, but he will heal us. And on the third day, he will raise us up. And we who are his people, the ones for whom Christ has died, are united to Christ. We died with him in his crucifixion. We rose with him in his resurrection. And the disciples, you know, to this point, they could see the facts, but they didn't yet understand the truth. It's a truth that's profoundly practical. Let me speak to some of you who are going through some great suffering right now. And imagine that that will be a number of people who are joining us via live stream today. And and you know, you go through those times of hardship, of, of suffering, of pain. Put on a brave face but you feel frightened. You feel abandoned. You look at your life, you look at your health, you look at your situation, and all you see is a broken shambles. Those are the facts. Perhaps you know the scriptures, but you haven't yet understood them. I don't deny your pain, your brokenness, the anguish, the hardship, and neither does God. Those are the facts. Knowing facts are not enough. You need truth. And you might think to yourself from time to time in the things that you go through, if God loved me, he would not allow this pointless suffering. I want to tell you that you're right. That, that that is sound reasoning. If God loves you, he wouldn't allow pointless suffering. But you, my friend, are not wise enough to know the point of your suffering. And you make the mistake of thinking that because I can't see the point, there must not be any. You know the facts 
But if you are united to Christ in his death and resurrection, here is the truth. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sakes we're being killed all the day long? We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know the scripture, but perhaps like John, you hadn't understood it. God's word is truth. And you have a truth too, a perspective on the truth. Your hardship, your pain, your anguish, your suffering, your anxiety, your fear... Those things are all true. And they're all things that you can bring to Jesus and cast upon him because he cares for you. For those of you who are suffering, that's your truth. But by the grace of God, can you bring your truth into conformity with what God's word says is the truth. I'm going to ask our elders if they'd come to distribute the elements of the Lord's table.